The Monday Rewind. I can't put my finger on exactly what went wrong for us. Um, you know, we thought coming to the game, we were in a good place. Certainly, um, you know, we're very confident coming over from the hotel this morning and, uh, you know, just just very disappointed with how it went. Coleman's pulled back to McCarthy. McCarthy into the penalty. James McCarthy! Oh, he was pushing. He should be getting more balls. He is capable. He's very composed on the ball. He has the energy to get into the final tour of the pitch at will. And I do think that everything, he does have the license to bomb on. I think boring is, is 10 years without a title. That's very boring. Uh, you know, you support the club uh, and you are waiting, waiting, waiting. And, and for so many years without the Premier League title, I think that's, that's very boring. Have you been assured your position is safe? I haven't had that conversation yet, but uh, we'll see. Would you like to have that conversation fairly soon? No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be here next year, so we'll see. Welcome to The Rewind, I'm Oisín Langan. In there you heard from Cork manager Brian Cuthbert on losing to Dublin very heavily in the Allianz League final. Chelsea boss Jose Mourinho wasn't taking too kindly to his team, being referred to as boring following their scoreless draw at the Emirates. While Leinster coach Matt O'Connor is a man under pressure, he was talking to Sky Sports in the aftermath of their loss to Ulster, which ended their hopes of a Guinness Pro 12 semi-final spot. Ulster guaranteed to finish in the top four. They will now hope to get a home semi-final. Of course, the final itself is on in Kingspan Stadium. Also, you heard off-the-ball matchday analyst Keith Andrews on why James McCarthy should be scoring more, just as he did in yesterday's 3-0 win over Manchester United at Goodison Park. We'll have more on Connacht's defeat and Leinster's Pro 12 hopes ending with Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent while we'll preview the Allianz Hurling League final between Cork and Waterford with Brian Hogan and some of the players involved. Ex-Kerry forward Sean O'Sullivan will join us later to dissect the Allianz Football League finals and tell us if it's an exciting or frustrating time for players as they wait for the championship to begin. But first, the Premier League and what happened to Manchester United? Things seem to be faltering ever so slightly. Louis van Gaal, their manager, said that uh, yesterday's defeat was their worst during his reign so far. Keith Andrews was on analysis for Off the Ball with Dave McIntyre, who is on commentary. And uh, after the game, Dave asked Andrews if 3-0 was a fair reflection of the scoreline. Probably not far off it. Probably 2-0 on the whole probably would have been in in about right. I thought they, they, they dominated the game without having the ball funny enough I thought they were they were in full control for the vast majority of the game their defensive shape was, was outstanding the, the back four was immense Jaggy Elkin Stones marshalling it with Garrett Barry doing his usual unsung hero role in front and negating space and they, they, they played a simple game today where they got men behind the ball and utilised what they have as, and that's pace you know and counter-attacking from Aaron Lennon and Seamus down the right Lukaku every time they, they won the ball back they looked to find him early so Listen, on the eye it wasn't the best footballing performance that you would see but it was very very effective and it got them what they needed today which was three points and far more reminiscent of the way that they were playing last season wasn't it Roberto Martinez has been criticised for reverting a little to a more of a possession based game and trying to build from the back and keep the ball for a little more longer periods whereas when they're direct and risk giving the ball away a little bit more but go straight at teams it is the Everton that nearly qualified in the top four last season why didn't they do it for the entire campaign well I think I think Roberto Martinez does prefer to play the passing game and to dominate the possession of the ball and sometimes that fans especially fans of a club like this they want to see players tackling players closing down they want to see the exciting parts of the game and listen last year when they were doing that and at times they were they were winning and getting the results. It's very hard to criticise, but obviously when results don't go your way and you and the fans are watching a style of play that they don't 
particularly like or maybe they get a little bit bored of then then, then they will vent their frustration but today was a was a was, was very tactically astute for me and I thought the way they went around their business and very professional performance from, from the players out on the pitch and they totally bought into exactly what way he wanted to set them up and go and play today and they totally deserved to win the crucial moment in the game that opening goal driving one from James McCarthy that started in his own half of the field finished expertly what are the environment or the circumstances in which we need from an Irish point of view to see James McCarthy popping up in those positions more often because he rarely ventures over the halfway line when he's wearing a green shirt well you you have to you have to understand what, what, what type of instructions he's been given both at international level and at club level even at club level I was I was flabbergasted when I, when I heard you say that he had only scored three goals and 70 odd appearances because he should be getting more goals he is capable he's very composed on the ball he has the energy to get into the final tour of the pitch at will and I do think at Everton he does have the licence to bomb on I think when, when Everton play in a way where both fullbacks go at the same time then he has to sit and protect with Garrett Barry but if only one of the fullbacks go then he has the licence to bomb on and get in and, and he should be scoring more on goals at international level obviously he plays sometimes in a 4-4-2 system and, and the opportunities or the instructions that he's given might not be there he may be utilised more in a defensive capacity in, in midfield role but this lad certainly can score more goals and he should be scoring more goals So word of Manchester United it's their second defeat in a week they're obviously done a, a huge favour yesterday by West Brom taking something off Liverpool which maybe lessens the impact of this defeat but if Liverpool were to win their game in hand they'd only be four behind Manchester United so it's not done and dusted they need two wins from their final four games to be guaranteed or three wins to guarantee a Champions League place what did you make of them today and where did it all go so wrong for them I just thought they were a little bit flat they looked a little bit short of ideas in the final tour whether it was a little true ball or the conviction of a, of a going and getting a strike at goal it was they just they just didn't look like they had been in, the, in recent weeks before the Chelsea game they looked short of ideas and you know if Maron Fellaini was on the pitch and in the first half, they took him off at half time. They didn't play to his strengths. The, the quality of crosses going into the box when he was in the box wasn't there. And it was it was a poor performance. There's no getting away from that. They did dominate the football in terms of possession in the middle third of the pitch, but they were dominating it in terms of just popping it around without actually having an idea of what, what they really wanted to do with it. And the shape that they came up against today really, really frustrated them. Radamel Falcao was brought on at half time. He did not have a good second half. He can't seem to make the ball stick. It's not happening for him in front of goal. And do you feel sorry for him in a way? He needs to do something spectacular to convince Louis van Gaal to hold on to him. But he hasn't had enough game time and enough time in and around the team on match day to maybe put himself in a position to do that. It does seem to be like a lose-lose situation for him. I'm sure he'll earn plenty of money somewhere else. But, I mean, is it virtually non-existent, the chances of him being in the Premier League with United next season? I'd be amazed if he was here. I really would. I... I feel sorry for him, I do, I genuinely do, because I think at, at his peak before his injury, he was as good as it got in a number nine role of it on the football field. Not, I won't forget the, the performance that he put in against Chelsea in the Super Cup. It was the ultimate centre-forward performance. And at that stage, he was getting linked with moves to the Premier League, and I would have loved to have seen him here before he got that injury. And listen, we're guessing it's the injury. Who knows where it's conference, whether he's just not interested anymore. We, we, we won't know, but he, he is a shadow of the player that he was. This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk and that was Keith Andrews and Dave McIntyre at Goodison Park where Manchester United lost 3-0 to Everton. 
Still to come, Phil Thompson on why Brendan Rodgers should keep his job. But first here's Donegal's Seamus Coleman, who played extremely well for Everton yesterday. Afterwards, he spoke to Dave. Is that Everton's best performance of the season so far? Um, yeah, best best kind of result, I suppose. Man United, who are on the run that they were on and playing ever so well. And they went to Chelsea last year and or last week and, and dominated the game. So, you know, very happy with the performance. And <coughs> three goals and clean sheet, brilliant. The battle down the two flanks was probably one of the most fascinating parts of the game with yourself and Aaron Lennon up against Ashley Young and, and uh, Luke Shaw. I, I'm, I'm, Everton certainly got the better of that, but was that something you knew would be a huge part of the game in the build-up to the week? Yeah, we worked on it during the week. Uh, I suppose Ashley Young especially. He's, uh, he can go either way. He can cut, he can cut back <coughs> on his right foot, something he likes to do, and maybe cross towards the back stick towards uh, Fellini. And I thought we dealt with it very well, and, and that was a big part of the game. The tempo, the intensity of the Everton performance, it's maybe the most re- performance reminiscent of what you guys were delivering last season. What's been the difference over the last four or five weeks, do you think? I think that, you know, good results breed confidence, and I think you had 11 confident players out there today, and that makes a big difference. And, you know, the fans are a bit happier now as well, so it all helps. And yeah, it all helps, and, um, you know, we're very happy with the result. Finally, Seamus, I'm, I'm sure Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane were keeping close eye on that game today. Keith Andrews is on co-commentary for us. He gave the Man of the Match award to James McCarthy, who maybe had his best performance in an Everton shirt. It's good for Ireland, isn't it? You guys are just fit now. The injuries seem to be behind James as well, and we have this make-or-break game with the Scots coming up right on the horizon. If you watch us every week, you know, you wouldn't say that's James's best performance. He's same player week in week out he's a top top player for Everton and, you in know, terms of his licence to get forward has that been the case as well because yeah. he did seem to have a little more of a free reign today yeah the last the last maybe month or so he's got more of a role going forward and you know he's he's relished it he's set up a few goals he's got a couple of goals one against Newcastle and uh, again today but you know week in week out he's, he's been brilliant for us this is the Monday Rewind on News Talk and that was Everton and Ireland defender Seamus Coleman it was a good day for the blue side of Merseyside but what about the Reds and the future of their manager, Brendan Rodgers. They drew nil all away to West Brom on Saturday. Ex-Liverpool captain and assistant manager Phil Thompson told News Talk Breakfast that no matter how the season ends, Brendan Rodgers should keep his job. There is no way Brendan Rodgers will be leaving Liverpool. And I know it's difficult. Six weeks ago, we were all waxing lyrical when we about how well Liverpool were playing. They were a form team, one defeat in 21 playing brilliantly. Yes, they had a difficult start to the season, no storage. We haven't had a striker really all season and yet we were playing some great stuff and it looked as though there was a Champions League spot on it. So why is it all good? We've, got, we've been in two semi-finals. We're still pushing for the Champions League still. It might be difficult. But So why do we why do we have knee-jerk reactions? And I was as disappointed as anybody after last Sunday's game. But it's not all down to Brendan Rodgers. I, I hope our owners don't have a knee-jerk reaction. And because Klopp's available, even Benitez is available, and people are talking about that again, I hope they, they don't have a knee-jerk reaction and think, oh, we've got... Because we don't need it. We don't uh, deserve to be... I know people... Are, we were so disappointed against Aston Villa. It's clouding people's judgments at the moment. Rodgers has to stay, but I think Klopp will be in the Premier League next season. This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk, and that was Phil Thompson speaking to News Talk Breakfast. Still to come, rugby and hurling, but first, yesterday's Allianz Football League finals in Crow Park. Roscommon winning Division 2, beating down 117-15 to 15 points. But it's the Division 1 final that's dominating after a systems failure from Cork against the well-oiled Dublin machine. Dean Rock scoring 10 points for the Dubs, seven of which were from freeze, while Dermot Connolly scored their goal from a penalty. 
Collins and Goulding with the goals for the Rebels. Four-time All-Ireland winner with Kerry, Sean O'Sullivan, joined me earlier to discuss. Uh, first though, here are the two managers, Jim Gavin and Brian Cuthbert. Yeah, Defence is, is very much part of our game. It's, it's something we've been, we, we've been working on every season. Um, and and to, 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 to keep them to, uh, to such a low score from play was, 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 um, was satisfying for the defence. And in attack in the second half to score 12 from I think 14... Shots is is is, um, is a very good return for our forwards and probably a reflection of the of the work that they're doing on the pitch on the training field. I can't put my finger on exactly what, what went wrong for us. Um, you know, we thought coming to the game we were in a good place. Certainly, um, you know, we we're very confident coming over from the hotel this morning, and uh, you know, just just very disappointed with how it went. Well, four-time All-Ireland winner with Kerry, Sean O'Sullivan. Dublin win 121-27 to against Cork. Were the Dubs very good, or were the Rebels very bad, or is the truth and the um, the explanation somewhere in between. Um, for me, um, Oshin, no, I, I, I think it's simple as this: Cork, Cork were Cork were awful. Um, look, so much was expected of them going up there into a national final. Um, yes, of course. Look, Dublin going for three in a row, Croke Park, the usual um, sound bites. I suppose they would have been favourites. But Cork, I suppose, it showed us something different in the league, that this was a different Cork, or, or we were led to believe that this was a different Cork. They were definitely concentrating on being a little bit more defensive. Um, Brian Cuthbert was kind of talking about not conceding big scores anymore, uh, that they were going to be a little bit more, uh, I suppose, minding their house uh, at the back. And uh, for some reason or another, it uh, it just completely fell apart from them, for them on the day. You know, conceding 121 is just is, is criminal. Uh, 15 points from play, I believe, Cork, uh, Dublin kicked. Now, look, hats off to Dublin, as, as Cuthbert said himself. The pressure that Dublin applied to Cork all over the field in the first half was 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 exceptional. It really was. And Jim Gavin had obviously obviously done his homework on where uh, they could they could really get at Cork. Um, I remember I counted maybe four or five lockdowns in the first half by Dublin players on Cork players and. Cork were just struggling to get the ball um, into their their their, their danger men inside, and when they did, Ashin, they were too far from goal. You know, Colm O'Neill, um, the guy that they were expecting, you know, the, the, a lot of pressure was put on to, to get scores with them was was getting the ball, you know, out in corners where the Dublin backs were quite happy for him to get the ball. Um, they had no link on the half forward line. You know, John O'Rourke was, um, you know, trying to plough a lonely furrow. He was. The only guy trying to, to link the play, but again, he was just caught up by this tidal wave of Dublin attacks. And, you know, again, hats off to the Dubs. They've won three in a row. They're certainly, for me, as I said earlier on in the year, they're still, for me, the team to beat um, come championship. They're just a formidable side. Cork, well, Brian Cuthbert said yesterday evening that he's going to do a root and branch examination of the performance. Well, it's going to have to be a lot more in-depth than that. It's uh, it's very disappointing for Cork and, you know, for the neutral who expected a good battle up there, it was even more disappointing. Was it a systems failure or was it players just not playing well or did Cork look like they were confused? I mean, I, I do want to give credit to Dublin, but the talk seems to be how bad Cork were despite the fact that they were quite good coming into this game. Yeah, they you know, they looked like they didn't have a game plan, to be quite honest with you, Oshin. Um Certainly, a lot of the players were, you know, they, before they knew it, they were 5 nil down. And, uh, you know, a lot of the players were looking at each other. You could see it. There was there was uh, 
there was just no leadership out there. And uh, it's something that, that Cork and Cuthbert will have to look at. You know, there's, it seems when Cork are good, they're very good. But when they're bad, they're awful. And, you know, it's, 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 it was a good league for them. They got to the final, obviously. But it's when they get to these big games, you know, last year's Munster final, now a league, um, they go back to the, the league semi-final the previous year when they were on top of Dublin and got completely turned around. So there's something, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern here. It's, 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 it's again, something that Cuthbert is going to have to have a good look at. They get to big games um, and they just fall down. And whether that is lack of leadership on the field or lack of leadership off it, I don't know. But certainly they looked like a team that didn't have a game plan yesterday and they just couldn't stim the flow when Dublin got on top. What impressed you about Dublin? Oh, the pressure, Oshin. The pressure, the the intensity, pushing high up the field, not giving Cork a chance to break out of defence, um, lockdowns, as I said. And then, look, when you have that amount of pressure high up the field and you turn ball over, look, when you've got the forwards, you know, Dean Rock gave an exhibition yesterday, albeit a lot of it was from place ball, but they had to be kicked. Um you know, Bernard Brogan looked back to his best yesterday. Dean McConnelly is coming back into form. When you've got forwards of that quality, Oshin, and you turn the ball over high up the field, you know, you've, you, you, when you're close to the opposition goal, you're going to punish them. And 121 really says it all. Yeah, look, they took the foot off the gas um, in the second half. Cork, you know, if you could say they, they, I suppose, regained some small bit of pride. But Dublin had the game wrapped up at half time purely because of their intensity and the pressure. Um, you know, I think they're, they're, you know, a lot was made that this was going to be Dublin's last big test before the championship. And look, you couldn't even call it a test really yesterday, but that was down to Dublin as well. They went in with a championship head on, championship mode, and they, by God, they, they surely, they really showed it yesterday. And Dublin have to wait until May 31st for their first championship game, and that will be with the greatest respect to whoever comes through against Offaly or Longford. You'd expect them to cruise through that. How important is Jack McCaffrey for Dublin and why? Because he, he's very young, but he seems to be one of the leaders of this team. He seems to be one of the standout guys all the time. He was TG Cahar's man of the match yesterday. The Irish examiner say he was good, but they would have given it to Keanu Sullivan. But either way, McCaffrey seems to be one of the key men. And in every great team, regardless of how much talent they have, there always seems to be key men. I mean, Mick O'Dwyer told me recently that um, that um, the bomber was his key man, even though he wasn't the most talented of the team. <laughs> the bomber would be delighted to hear that, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, going back to Keno Sullivan, I thought he was phenomenal yesterday. I really did. I really did. It's, it's the unseen stuff, really, that Keno Sullivan, and, and I probably would be leaning that he should have got man of the match as well. But no doubt McCaffrey, yeah, absolutely. He's 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 a young guy, but I'll tell you, he, he plays with uh, complete you know freedom. He's superbly fit. He's got pace to burn. Um some people say that his, you know, he attacks very well and it masks maybe a poor defensive side to him. I don't think so. I actually think he's improved as a defender in the last few years. He's so he's Tommaso Shea rather than Glenn Johnson? Uh, certainly Tommaso. Yeah, certainly Tommaso Shea, definitely. Um, he's a better defender than Glenn Johnson anyway. But <laughs> yeah. No, he's, 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 people would have, you know, questioned his defending and that he's probably masking his, his, defen- his poor defensive um, abilities by going forward. But I think he's a guy that has, has definitely worked on his defensive, the defensive side of his game in the last few years. And look, if, if he can get that right and then, you know, 
um, combine that with his ability to go forward. I mean, he drove forward yesterday and hit the woodwork again. You know, he's just, he's incredible. The only guy actually I've seen to kind of put the, 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 the I suppose the blinkers on him, if you if you like, uh, in the last few years was in the semi-final a few years ago against Kerry, where Dunica Walsh, here from our own club, was just given the job of going out and forsaking his game altogether as a forward and just to stop McCaffrey. And uh, Dunica did a good job in him that day, but since then I haven't seen anyone stop McCaffrey. And to be honest with you, <clears throat> excuse me, Ashley, I don't see anyone stopping him this year. He's in great form, and um, if he takes the form he had, he did or he showed yesterday on into the championship he could be uh, he could be looking at a good year for him and for his team I want to ask you about Roscommon because they beat uh, down in the Division 2 final how far along are they what can they do in the championship this year yeah I was reading uh, a few quotes from John Evans last night a carry, our, our carry man um, I'm delighted for John I'm delighted for Roscommon and it's, there's a real feel good factor in the county at the moment look they're they're, uh, they're back to back promotions back to back leagues they're going to Croke Park and winning machine, which is never a bad thing. It's a great, it's a great habit to get into. Um, Seamus Moynihan always said that winning is a disease, and and and, and Ross Common are certainly um, on that upward curve. Um, take into account their underage performances, both at national and uh, provincial level, and also if you go to the schools final this year, the Hogan Cup, you know they're 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 college up there. They're got to the final, you know, albeit beaten by Dingle, but. It's it's a great time to be playing football in Roscommon. There's a, a good buzz. John is, is is kind of hinting now that maybe they can go further afield. Um, it'll take a while, but yeah, look, why not? Why not? Why why can't they now bring that confidence and that form into the Connacht Championship and further on? Um, they are certainly building. They have a good structure. They've got a good management team in place. When you throw Liam Kearns into it as well, who's got great experience from from his days in Limerick. Absolutely, Oshin. Why, why, why can't they go and take a big scalp in, in Connacht and and go on and further? Even if they don't take a scalp in um, in in Connacht, maybe a run in the qualifiers is not out of the question. So, I'm delighted for Roscommon, and it's great for football to see the likes of them. Offaly had a great win. Um, Armagh seemed to be coming back into form, and that should shake things up in Ulster a little bit. So, look, it's it's, it's all good. It's very good for the game. And just before I let you go, we're now between league and championship. The championship officially starting next weekend in New York. Galway taking on the Big Apple. Sadly, I haven't been selected to go on that trip. <laughs> it's the trip we all want. Um, but is this the most frustrating time of the year for a player when you're waiting for the championship? Or is it the most exciting time of the year? Maybe that depends on which county you're from and how soon you get into the championship and how successful you have been in the championship. Well, that's bad news about that trip, Oshin, because I remember you promising I could go with you. But um, it's it's a it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time. Um, you're 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 just chomping at the bit. Look down here in Kerry, we're lucky because we use that break to play club championship, and so the players are seeing a lot of action. But you know, when you're involved with a county team, you just want to get going, Oshin. You want to get going. Your the league is finished now. You're, you know that that part of the season is over. You you turn to the championship, and that's what it's all about. It's all about summer. The weather's getting good. Hopefully, the championship is around the corner. It, it can be a very frustrating time, especially for, of course, players, but definitely as well for management because you're training, you're training, you're playing challenge matches, um, and you know the the, net, the championship game can be can be way off in the distance. So it's difficult to keep the players tuned in. Going away to play club championship is actually a good thing. You know, they go away and they, they get games in. Um, but once they come back in with county, it's, it's they just want to get going and uh, it can be a frustrating time. But look, at the same time, 
it goes fast and before you know it you'll be in the thick of it and uh, mm. we'll all, we're all looking forward to a good championship hopefully OK, Sean O'Sullivan formerly of Kerry thanks for joining us Thanks Oshin This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk still to come we've got hurling but first it's rugby and Leinster's hopes of reaching the Pro 12 semi-finals now gone following Friday's defeat to Ulster at Kingspan Stadium it might actually get a bit worse for Leinster unless they can improve their form and win at least one of their two remaining matches. 26-10 the final score on Friday night. After the match, coach Matt O'Connor was asked about his future by Graham Simmons of Sky Sports. Pinar out wide, Jackson inside, Gilroy the top try scorer. It's almost the perfect end for the night. Not the season, there's plenty more to come for Ulster, but there's not much more to come for Leinster. Their season now is gone. Ah, it's really hard now. You know, we we got to make sure that we we finish the season strong, and we, you know, we we you know we we stick true to our values, and we and we keep working hard, and we we get you know there's two games left where we need to demonstrate how good a footy team we are. Does there need to be an inquest? Do you think there's a lot of pressure on you, a lot of pressure on the players? Does there need to be a thoroughgoing inquest or not? I mean, I think it, it's not good enough by anyone's standards. To be fair, the, the you know the results across the course of it, you know with and without players and you know that, that's that's not an excuse it's, it needs to be better from our end and, and you know we need to look at it and review it and make sure that we're better In sport generally Matt these days I mean when the team plays well the players are gods when the team doesn't go well and the results don't go your way the head coach is an idiot and should be sacked even allowing for all of that have you been bewildered by the amount of heat you're taking? Uh, a little bit yeah but that goes with the territory you know it's, it's, it's a good side it's, it's rich in history and tradition and, and you know the, the expectation is very very high and you know that's my responsibility to deliver on that and you know at stages across the, across the season as a group we haven't done that so you know we need to ask some questions and answer them and be pretty robust with, with the outcomes Have you been assured your position is safe? I haven't had that conversation yet but uh, we'll see Would you like to have that conversation fairly soon? No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be here next year so we'll see so that was Matt O'Connor speaking to Sky Sports after their defeat to Ulster. Rory O'Connor, rugby correspondent with the Irish Independent, is with us. It wasn't so much what Matt O'Connor said in that interview. It was kind of how he sounded. Yeah, I suppose it, the context has to be that it was directly after the game. You know, he he just seen his team lose. It's the chances of a, of a playoff spot go. Um, and Matt O'Connor is sometimes not the most effusive of, inter- of interviewees. Um you know, it was possibly a bit affronted by being asked so directly about his his future. But it was it is very interesting comments. It's an interesting interview that he gave. You know, I, I do think he will be there next year. I do think I do think Lancer will will and he will see out their contract. But um, I think he needs a very very big year next year to make his three years in charge a success. Because as he has made himself in that interview, you know, this season in terms of the league has not been good enough. Their European run, you know, above par, got to the semi final, home quarter final, and that's probably what will keep him in a job next year. But um, the league performances just haven't been good enough. And I, I don't think they lost the league on Friday night in Ravenhill. I think they lost the league before that. They just looked absolutely jaded. They started like a train, yeah. but ended like a tram. And that's not me having a go at them. It's just looking at them last week and what they gave out in France. And then looking at them playing Ulster, who are as good as anyone in Europe on their day. Especially mm. at home, especially in the rain at Ravenhill. It was, it was about the worst circumstance you could have having done what they did in France just five days before yeah the five day turnaround was, was always going to be difficult for them they um, 
as you say, they, they were, it was almost like they were on the fumes of, of Marseille. You know, they started off playing with the intensity that they they brought with them from the previous game, but it was never going to be sustainable. And when you see Sean O'Brien and Rob Carney make uncharacteristic errors, handling errors during the second half, you knew that this was a tired team, a team that really just didn't have much more to give. And I suppose the problem for O'Connor was that given the league performances, the ro- rotation wasn't really an option because the players that had lost against the Dragons, who lost um, you know, important games while the full, full-time internationals or the, the front-line internationals were away, hadn't done enough to secure their position. So there was a lot to admire about Leinster's performance on Friday night, but they were never going to beat Ulster in that, in, that, in that situation, I don't think. Now you write in the Irish Independent today, they have to be very, very careful because we're assuming that the season is now done for them while they have two games left. They can't qualify for the semi-final. But the stark real- reality is, it's not done, is it? No, um, I think everyone just presumed after Ravenhill, because Leinster have been looking upwards for, for the last couple of weeks, like what you know, how to get back into this. And behind them, there's been a, a bit of a momentum shift with Connacht kind of falling away in the battle for sixth place and an automatic qualification spot for next year's European Champions Cup. And Edinburgh and Scarlets have really just hit a vein of form and are coming charging and both secured um, uh, bonus point victories last weekend that now put them in a position where if results go their way and it's still a big if at this stage they can leapfrog Leinster and Leinster still mathematically it's possible and it's not beyond the the realms of of possibility that they may have to go into the qualifying tournament and if they finish seventh you know they need six points from the last two games and the last two games aren't that difficult one is against Treviso in two weeks time at home and if they get five points from that game you know that they're pretty much home and hosed, but they still have to get a result at Murrayfield if Edinburgh get five points in their second last game, and and Edinburgh and Scarlets both should get full full uh, full points from those games. So they'll go to Murrayfield, assuming that they all get five points next in two weeks' time, which they all can because they're all very winnable fixtures and they're all in good. Well, the other two teams are in good form, and, and Leinster, even even in this um, situation, should be able to beat Treviso and score four tries. Um, Leinster's final game is against Edinburgh. Scarlets have a winnable final game, which puts them in a position where Leinster will have to um, win with a bonus point, I think, to get ahead of them, um, or to, to win to get ahead of them. But if, Ed- if if Leinster lose in Edinburgh and Le- and Edinburgh get five, uh, sorry, get the five points, and Leinster don't finish within seven, then Leinster's Leinster's uh, lack of wins. They've drawn more games um, than anyone else, and Le- Edinburgh currently have more wins than them. The t- the tie tie break in a in a position where. Two teams are level is wins rather than points difference, and that puts Edinburgh ahead of them. So Leinster look that they they should be able to do it, but they're in they're in a situation now where they they still need to get results. Their season isn't over as you know. I presume that at the end of the game last weekend, but the way the results went over the over the course of the weekend, you know, they're still have a bit to do. Not a good weekend for Connacht, who lost coughing up a bonus point against Glasgow Warriors. Their squad has been stretched. That's been outlined by Pat Lamb, who spoke after the game to Rob Murphy of Galway Bay FM. All of those squads you mentioned have 60-plus full-time players. Mm. We have 40, and then 15 are out injured. To uh, live in a, a 10 of them are uh, for the rest of the season, so we're down to 25. A mm. uh, few academy boys out there. That's the difference. And then you've got guys in those squads who play at this level, you know, easy. at Scotland um, or Fiji or, or, you know, whatever internationals. And at international rugby, it's a different pace, so you can handle this sort of things. And if you look at our shape, you, know, you guys would have seen how many chances there are, And but it's been able to execute under this sort of pressure. And that's the learning that we're at, and that's what we have to take on board going forward. So, um, you know, everyone loves playing rugby this time of the year, but when you have a collective group of experienced internationals, they can obviously do it a lot better, and that's the challenge for us, and that's the big learning for us. And 
it'll be really important to you now that this side obviously doesn't takes it to the last day at the very least. You, you want to get those that win oh, over Zebra. Yeah, that, 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 all we've done, this is what, round 20 now. Uh, we're going into May and we've controlled our destiny all the way from uh, August, September to now. We've lost that. Um, so all we can do now is, is uh, we just got to go to Zebra and get a win and get a good win. Um, and see what happens, but we can't control that anymore. Um, so it, uh, there's no doubt we've got to pick ourselves up. We've got two weeks to recover, get back into it, get over to Palmer and get a really good win and put pressure on the ones above us now. Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent still with us on the Monday Rewind here on News Talk. Rory, in fairness to Pat Lamb, they've, they've lost us at five in a row now, but he did make some very valid points there. He did, and uh, the, the problem Connacht have had in recent weeks is taking those chances. I mean, they got to a stage where Edin- or sorry, Glasgow were down to 14 men for 20 minutes, you know, two successive sin binnings, and, and, and a good team, a team with real ambitions, would put away a couple of tries in that period, and Connacht didn't, didn't, didn't get over the line. They had chances, they were in the 22, they got back to a five-point game, and they had, the, you know, they, they had the opportunities, and they, you know, handling errors let them down, missed tackles let them down, and they let Glasgow off the hook to an extent, and Glasgow went on to score five tries in total. But the momentum is, its a, the game is all about momentum. And if you have a team in that situation, you're camped in the 22, you've got to take the chances if you want to be in the top six at the end of the season, if you want to go and get it. Because Connacht, as Pat Lamb says, have been in control of their own destiny all season and they've let it slip. They, you know, you're challenge, between the Challenge Cup quarterfinal and the four, last four league games, they've lost all of them. Um, I think the Malay started in Cardiff uh, that, that night, that infamous night in Cardiff and... and their two games against Cardiff are probably what it was going to cost them over the course of the whole thing. But they still knew what they needed to do. They needed to get a result against Glasgow. They probably had the chances to do it. They had a strong team out at the weekend. And their little little failings, that, that lack of just cutting edge cost them in the end. You know, poor defence, you know, bad bad tackling. And Glasgow are a very good team and they punish you. And that's what good teams do. That's why Glasgow are the top team in the league right now um, themselves. And Ulster, Ulster did it two weeks ago um, they really punished uh, Connacht's errors as well in a game where Connacht probably dominated and conceded five tries as well so it's it's it's, it's a re- kind of recurring theme for Lamb he must be very frustrated it looks like they're not going to be playing in the, in the Champions Cup this, this this year you know similar you know this, it's the same story as, as the Leinster thing it's Scarlett's and Edinburgh have hit form at the wrong at the right time and Connacht have fallen away at the wrong time Let's talk about Munster beavering away in silence. Another good win in Cork over the weekend with, against Treviso. Yeah, a very good win. Um, not a particularly brilliant performance, missing Paul O'Connell and Treviso, which is served, will serve as a warning to Leinster. You know, played played quite well and caused them all sorts of problems. Um, Munster did, Munster did enough. They got their five points. They they're currently in second place. They go to Ravenhill uh, in two weeks two weeks time Saturday weekend, and that's kind of when they'll come out of the shadows because they haven't really been mapped since they went out of Europe. Um, the, this, the way the season has worked out, Anthony Foley's had a lot of his players together for a long time. He's been able to work on them, and we saw a lot of lot of good about Munster last weekend. I think that game against Ulster up there is going to be a very difficult test for them. It's going to be a true test of where they are right now and how far they've come during that period because. The attention's been off them. They've been able to build, but that's a that's a good good you know place for them to test themselves after two weeks to prepare. And you never know. I mean, it could end up that they might end up playing Ulster in the semi final away from home. Either way, I think it'll come down to it'll come down to the, that result. You know, Ulster will leapfrog them if they beat them, but at the same time, Ulster have to go to Glasgow on the final day. Mm. So there's a bit of bit of to go. I think that that's looking like a, a likely semi final pairing. It's just a matter of whether it's in Limerick or, or, or Belfast, and that could swing it. Albeit Ulster have gone to, to Limerick and won a few times recently, but um, 
that's going to be really like the, the run-in Leinster's falling away has, has kind of ruined the run-in a little bit in that we know who the semi-finalists are already with two games to go which is a little bit of a pity but I suppose that jostling for position is going to be important over the next couple of weeks and, and those Irish derbies the one you know Friday night was a really good game they've been great all season um, they've been the, the highlight of the Pro 12 campaign and the Judgment Day in Wales was very good at the weekend as well mm. those inter-provincial derbies those inter-regional derbies are very good and that Munster-Ulster game up in Belfast is something to look forward to because there is something at stake Ulster the favourites at this stage? I think themselves in Glasgow are the, are the two best teams in the league um, and Ulster seem to have something about them if they can get to that final you wouldn't back against them in, in Kingspan Park Stadium it's 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 an intimidating place to go. The crowd really get behind them, and my understanding is that while the, t- the general sale tickets have sold out, they've been pretty much mostly bought by people from 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 the surrounding areas. So it will be very much a partisan pro Ulster crowd. I think the the visiting team will will have two thousand five hundred tickets for themselves, but the rest of the stadium will all be wearing white, and that's a difficult place to go for any team. And Ulster are due a trophy that this team have have had a great couple of seasons without crowning it. You know, no silverware to mark mark a kind of a pretty good period of time mm. for Ulster. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't write Glasgow off at all. You know they've been there the last couple of seasons. They're a really good team. They're ruthless. They've they've internationals all Is over. Is it the fair park. to say that the internationals, particularly the Scottish ones, play better for Warriors than they do for Scotland? Um, I they possibly do, but I think it, it, it's it's easier. I suppose the yeah. Scotland. Are, you know the Scotland are playing at a higher level, and the problem is that while Ireland can call on the four, Scotland are calling on the two, and they're effectively. You know, calling out the Warriors, a couple of expats, and, a co- and you know the odd Edinburgh player. So that's what makes it so difficult. But Townsend really has them motoring. He's a couple of very good imports as well. You know, Josh Strauss, a really good player. Yeah. The two Fijians they have are fantastic. They Matawalu. might make a lot of mistakes. Matawalu yeah. and, and Nakarawa. They just they're they're a joy to watch. You know, they're, you know, it's a pity that Matawalu is leaving the league. He's going to bat next season because he is great to watch. And they they have a really exciting team. They they have a very good game plan. They have a very good coach. Townsend really seems to be the coming man in Scotland. I think yeah, there is something to be said for that. Although you know the European performances show that they still have a way to go to get to the top level that the Irish provinces have been at. But I think they've been building you know well through the league over the last couple of seasons. And a bit like Ulster are looking to crown it with a bit of silverware. If that's the final, it's probably the two best teams over the course of the season so far. Given the Ospreys have fallen away and Munster have been very mixed, but I you know I wouldn't count out either of those teams in a, in a knockout game either. Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent, thank you for joining us. No worries. This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk. Now it's hurling and next Sunday in Thurless, Cork clashed with Waterford in the Allianz League final. Cork haven't won the title since 1998 when they actually beat Waterford. And uh, coincidentally enough, Jimmy Barry Murphy was in charge then. They went on to win the All-Ireland final the next year, beating Waterford actually in the Munster Championship along the way, even though Waterford were the favourites for that game. Um and it was Alan Thurless as well. So a lot of kind of ties to that 98-99 uh, period for these two ahead of this one. The Dacia, by the way, last won the league in 2007. And what a year it's been for them so far. They started in 1B. They got promotion from that. Then uh, beat Galway and Tip on the way to Sunday's decider. Anyway, before we get analysis from ex-Kilkenny hurler Brian Hogan, let's hear from both camps. I've been speaking to Cork wing-back Lorcan McLaughlin, but first Waterford free-taker and scorer of 13 points in the semi-final against Tipperary Park, Mahoney. And I put it to him that many people outside of the Waterford camp are surprised that they've made it this far, but they're not surprised themselves. Hey, look, we're delighted to be preparing for a league final. Obviously, the start of the year, our main goal was to get promoted from 1B up to 1A, you know, so to put us in good preparation for the championship and obviously now that we're preparing for a league final that gets even better you know you can't get better preparation for our, for championship A lot has been made of your system did it take a while to adapt or what are the kind of the, 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 what are the kind of the big things that you need to 
to do as players? What are the boxes that you need to tick as players each time you go out there for Waterford under Derek McGrath's manager? To be honest with you, there's no real secret to what we're trying to do. Or there's no real magic game plan. It's just looking out and working as hard as you can for one another. And if that means that you, you might spend some time back in, in around midfield, half-back, to pick up a ball or to help out the lads in the back, then that's what you have to do, you know. And um, then just get back up to the four line as quick as you can. And so there's no real secret secret gem that we're doing this year than just really trying to work as hard as we can for each other. Is that the key, the work rate off the ball when you don't have it to get it back? Because that's something that all winning teams talk about, their work rate off the ball. You hear Kilkenny guys talking about it. You hear, you know, Leinster players of the past talking about it, Munster players of the past talking about it. Is that something that you've put major work into this year and last year as well? Because this is a team in development and you're quite young. Exactly. Look, I suppose there's a, a lot of things that we had to take out of last year, you know, to put us in that probably we're only maybe seeing the benefits to it now but um, look this team we're just going to we basically we don't have any secret thing like you know it's just about working as hard as you can and um, I think the best thing about this panel this year is that we, we're all you know we have a good pre-season on behind us and we've probably built up a bit of spirit and you know there's a great bond between the whole camp you know and um, when it comes to the field then it makes it a whole lot easier then for part you know to work for one another now, there was big celebrations on the pitch and among the fans after the win against Tipperary. How big a deal was it for this team to beat one of the superpowers? Was it was it good for your confidence? Was it kind of, you know, a nice reward for all the hard work that has been put in? Was it a, a signal maybe that Waterford are, are back at the top table or close to it after a tough couple of seasons? Yeah, look, obviously you want to be a start of the year. You know, you want to be up there competing against the likes of Tip, Kilkenny, Cork. You know, they're the teams that are knocking on the door, winning all earnings every year, you know, so they're the team that you want to be playing or playing against. And as I said, look, we want to be, we hope that we're going to have a long summer this year. And look, if we're going to, if we're going to have a long summer, it's the likes of Cork and Tip that you have to be competing yourselves against. And obviously the celebrations after the semi-final, you know, I think if it was any game you win by such a slight margin, you know, there's always that sense of relief, I suppose, more than that. And I think, um, you know, that it wasn't as if, we got carried away or anything like that. It was just the fact that, you know, we were in such a, a close situation and to come out the right side of it was more relief, you know. Derek seems to keep this squad happy, which is hard to do when everyone wants game time. But even outside of that, there's a lot of talk recently about inter-county players being miserable and not being able to have a life. And when you guys work as hard and maybe harder than everyone else, Derek seems to, to let you off when needed. How important is that, Park? Uh, look, I think, look, Derek, he's a very reasonable person, you know, but... He he wants to do everything he can to to get results for us, you know. And I think the results that we've got this year, maybe it's great that we can, you know, pay back him for the hard work that he's putting in, you know, and the trust. I suppose at the end of the day, that's what it's about. There's a, a strong trust between both players and management, and you know, Derek can rely on us to, you know, and we can rely on him, and that's that's the sign of a good setup and a good team, you know. Tell me about your free taking. Thirteen points against Tipperary. Not all of them were from freeze, but you know the bulk of them were. What's your system? How do you how do you approach freeze? How much do you practice? Yeah, I suppose. Look, it's all about practice, really, and it's about being confident going into every game. You know, and you have your I have my normal rituals that I just follow procedure before every free, and I try and get up to the, maybe to the local pitch maybe once a week before every big game, and then obviously. Every time you go train, you be practicing before or maybe after, and 
and it's just relying on your ability then once it comes to the comes to the big games and just trusting that you have the work done and look you're only as good as your last games. So what might work in the last game might necessarily mean it'll work the next day. So Sunday's a new game and we obviously we have to reach new targets on Sunday if we want to be um you know, with the with the Allianz League at the at the end of the day. And and just before I let you go, you mentioned the word trust there. You seem to be a team that has a lot of trust in each other and even though there's a lot of young guys, I mean you are are, are one of the relatively older players, which seems odd because you're not that old at all uh, yourself Brick and, and, and Kevin Moran maybe stand out but uh, a lot of young guys in this team who've, who've won colleges titles and, and an All-Ireland minor title um, they seem to play with no fear which I appreciate is a massive sporting cliche but is it something that, that you notice about this team that maybe they, they have a different attitude and maybe the attitude of the Waterford squad has changed in the last couple of seasons because of these young guys coming in and, and the confidence that they bring Yeah look as a, I suppose we all might have have big victories and win, you know, big medals outside of playing for Waterford, whether it was through colleges or clubs or even the lads who won the Waterford minor two years ago, you know, but we didn't actually achieve anything as a group together. And I suppose we realised that time passes by fairly quickly and you have to take and grasp every opportunity as it comes and we see this year as an opportunity there and, you know, we want to take it with both hands and we, uh, today we want to look back and we reflect at the end of the year we want to say we have no regrets and if we can say that you know we can't have any complaints and I think last year we maybe we felt we didn't do ourselves throughout the season and um, so I suppose this year this uh, camp is highly motivated to to turn I suppose some losses last year you know turn around this year And is there a thought in your head about this game against Cork and then the fact that you play them first up in the championship do you think one game could affect the other? No, look. At the start of the season, we we said that we were going to take every game as it comes and one step at a time. And Sunday is no different. We we'll, we haven't even thought about Munster Championship v Cork. We're just focusing on this Sunday National League final against Cork. And look, after after Sunday, we can reflect and we can analyse our performance, and then we'll start focusing about the Munster Championship game. But for now, it's just purely on trying to do whatever we can to to win the win the league on Sunday. Park, pleasure talking to you. Best of luck on Sunday. No matter. Cheers, Oshin. This could be the moment. It is the moment. And talk of a hit from Jamie Hannity. Would you believe it? Jamie Hannity with what could be a match-winning point. They didn't panic. And with the clock showing five seconds remaining, Cock have turned it over. The whistle has gone. And Cock are in the lead final from 12 points down. Lorcan McLaughlin of Cork. We've just heard C103's commentary of Seamus Harnady's point against Dublin to win the match. You were 12 points down at one stage of that game, the semi against the Dubs in Nolan Park. Um, how do you reflect on it now, now that you've had a couple of weeks to think about it? I suppose, look, you can you can look at the positives or the negatives. You know, it's your great character of the team to come back in, you know, to, to take back a 12-point um, deficit. But, you know, I suppose to be in that position in the first wasn't very encouraging and uh, you know that's an area that we have to work on but certainly give us huge confidence to, to reel them in and coming down the home straight and to see James Harndy getting that win- winning point was a, a huge confidence booster. Did Jimmy and, and the rest of his staff in training the, the couple of days afterwards look at what went wrong or what went right or was it kind of 50-50? No I think look you know preparations have gone well you know um, I just think that we were slow to the traps for whatever reason I think we 
we knew that Dublin would come with a huge intensity, especially after the, the game in Crow Park. And, you know, they're a very good team. So we knew what they expected. It's just that we, we didn't get out of the traps early on and Dublin got a run on us and they, we, we just had no answer from. So once we got in at half time, we kind of, um, I suppose settled a bit. And, and once we, once we kept the scoreboard taking over and in fairness, the forwards kept that going in the first half. And we kept reeling back in the second half. And obviously, Paddy O'Sullivan's goal was um, crucial in turning the cipher. Now, you're coming up against Waterford in the league final. It will be the first time that you've played them this year competitively in the league because obviously they were coming from 1B. Um, people are talking about their system and the fact that it's changed. And it's kind of similar to Clare's system, particularly the one that won the, won the All-Ireland in 2013. Do you think the experience of of having beaten that system and beat, beating Clare uh, a couple of times and having even ran, ran them close a couple of times will, will be a big benefit coming into this game? You know, you'll have experience of, of coming up against uh, teams that, that leave numbers lying deep? Yeah, I think, look, I don't know if you call it a system or, you know, a tactics, whatever, but I think it's more of an approach to the game and a mindset that they, they'll go out and they'll try and outwork every team and that they'll, you know, if you have the ball, they're going to get fellas back to try and turn it over and move the ball quickly. So, um, look, it, you know, teams, I think they're, they're building blocks or, um, you know, built around work rate and, you know, turnovers and doing doing the stuff the teams probably don't get credit for enough, like, you know. So, um, it's certainly something that we, we will have to brace ourselves for. And, you know, once we can match that, I think we'll be in a good position. You're in the half-back line, which kind of means you're you're essentially in hurling at quarterback. Is that something that you um, that you look at and think, right, a big part of my position now is not only defending, but it's also spreading the ball and moving it quickly up to a forward line that if they get quick ball in the shape of Conor Lehan and Seamus Harndy and Rob O'Shea and Patrick Horgan, that they can do damage, and, and Luke O'Farrell as well, of course, and, and others that I haven't mentioned who are around the squad. Yeah, I think so. Look, I think early delivery is important. And I suppose not just hitting the aimless ball in. Sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes you're on the person you have to deliver the ball as early as possible. But I think our forwards, when they are on song, you know, all you have to do is let the ball in and let it in early. You know, in fairness, the boys deal with it inside and they've been running up huge scores. So it's vital now that if we, if we, that's the launch pad, if we get involved there, that we're delivering it early. Um, obviously, Washboard will look at that too, and um, they, they'll obviously try and shut down and turn over, turn over position as quick as possible. But um, you know, I think early delivery is vital. How important would the league title be to this court team? Oh, it's huge. You know, it's a, it's a national competition. Um, I think we're at the stage now where you know this is where for grabs. So we'll, we'll definitely want to go and win the game. Um, I think our primary objective in the league was to retain our Division 1A status and we, we achieved that and we, then I think you know it was important to reduce the gap between the league and championship now we find ourselves in a National League final so it's, there's a huge incentive there to go on and win it You mentioned reducing the gap it's not much of a gap just over a month but it's the same opposition so do you think this game could affect the next one in some ways? Um, I suppose if anything I suppose the team that loses on Sunday might use that as motivation going into the first round championship but I just think you know every game you know takes on a life of its own and you have to approach them in different ways you know um, so look I don't think it will I don't think either team will be looking um, on Sunday's game And just before I let you go we're talking about a league final and that's important but there are certain things in life that are that are more important than just sport and uh, Jamie Wall your your, your teammate uh, you had a challenge game against Kilkenny on Saturday night uh, to benefit the friends of Jamie Wall and maybe that you know when you look at Jamie and what he's going through it kind of reminds you of what is actually important Yeah it certainly puts things into perspective like you know that sport isn't the be all and end all you know he's fighting his own battle you know off the field of play and uh you know, it was great that Kilkenny supported that uh, Cork supporters at the weekend, and uh, and they raised lots of money, got huge support from the the Cork public, and 
um, you know, everyone here in the Cork set up and I suppose even, you know, across Ireland are, are wishing them a speedy recovery. Lorcal McLaughlin, thank you very much for joining us and the best of luck on Sunday. Perfect, thank you. Brian Hogan, the Alliance League final is on this Sunday. We've just heard from two of those involved, Park Mahoney and Lorcan McLaughlin, both obviously looking forward to it. What about yourself? What was your preparation like um, in the couple of days in the build-up to a, a league final as compared to a Leinster or All-Ireland final? Did it differ? Um, not usually, Yoshi. No, I think, um, I think you try and approach every match um, in the same way. I don't think you should be changing your, your habits just because you're playing the championship match over... Uh, a league match or a league final, you know, I think um, it, routine is uh, is the love of every sportsman. You know, they want to keep the same routine. They want to, you know, they hate change. And uh, I think the players will probably approach it much the same or try and approach it much the same as they have done up to now. You know, clearly it's worked. They, both teams are in the league final. Their form has been good. So, you know, uh, try and keep the same format. And that's the way I would have approached things as well. You know, you find out what works for, for yourself and you, you stick to that routine. We'll start with your near neighbours in Waterford. You must have been impressed by them this season so far, especially in the semi-final because they kind of got into the quarter-final a little bit under the radar coming from Division 1B. And then they beat Galway, but they really exploded out of the blocks, particularly maybe 10-15 minutes in against Tipperary. Yeah, I mean, like they've been slowly building all year. I think, you know, there was maybe... You know, um, the perception was that they, there was potential there in this Waterford squad, you know, with the, with the minor success, etc. You know, and, um, you know, they have a nice end of some of the more senior players there as well with, with Brick and Kevin Moore and that. But, um, you know, when they won Division uh, 1B, you know, there was, there was maybe some people were saying, oh, it was Limerick that lost us, etc. You know, um, but then they went on and they beat Galway and there was, oh, well, maybe Galway took it for granted. And now they've gone and taken, you know, to break scalp in the semi-final, and you, you have to be impressed with, with their enthusiasm and um, with the work rate, you know, they're bringing. I I, um, I know the the management have, 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 have mentioned and referenced Kilkenny to, um, a couple of times in terms of the attitude they're trying to, to bring into the squad, and you can see that very much, you know, with the way they're, they're working for each other. Um, so yeah, I mean, hugely impressed with with the way they're, they, they they have been working, you know, and again in their forwards as well, they try to to, to, to bring that kind of. Um, um, that style, which maybe wouldn't have always been there with, with Waterford teams in terms of, you know, that when they don't have possession, that they're closing down the opposition and they're working hard up the fields to make it easier for their backs. But it, they certainly are um, working well as a unit and you, you would have to be hugely impressed with them, you know. Their system has been compared to Clare, while their attitude has been compare, compared to Kilkenny. Do you think that's a fair comparison to Clare or have you seen things in that system that suggests that maybe Derek has looked at it and moved it on a bit or is he just looking and saying you know that, that, that works and we have the talent to execute that yeah I mean like I'm always wary I think like this system is, is, is well and good I think and it's all when, when things are going your way you know and, and it can be you know held up as, as, as an example but on the, uh, I suppose fu- fundamentally if you don't get the basics in place first a system is not going to be any use to you, you know. And I think uh, Derek McGrath has, has, has certainly focused in on the, on the fundamentals in terms of, I think, the, the morale and the attitude. And, and the, he referenced after the, the, the semi-final against Tip, the spirit that he wants to try and bring into the, the squad. And as I said to you, you can see that in terms of the way the players are hurling for each other, you know. The likes of Brick Welsh there, who's, I suppose, has been the, the, the standout player and a stalwart for Watford over the last 10, 12 years, you know, at centre-back in midfield. This year he's situated there, centre forward and full forward, and you know he's doing a he's doing a very um, unselfish job for the squad in terms of he, he's 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 I suppose 
sacrificing his own game almost to try and bring in the other the younger forwards around him. You know, I can think of one or two instances in the Tipperary match where he, he he was out in front of kick the ball and 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 was able to just pop the pass off to the the runner coming in. You know, so I think Derek has had you know certainly targeted those kind of areas first and foremost. And yeah, absolutely, he's probably looked at his squad then in terms of okay, they're a young squad, they're probably. Maybe not as, as as physical as some of the, the more seasoned teams. So, you know, trying to get a style of play that will ensure that they have a platform to build from first and foremost. So, I think against Galway, you could see, you could see, you know, they did drop a very deep, and yeah, at different stages during um, the tip match, they tended to drop a bit deep and leave, you know, maybe three, four forwards, uh, you know, in the opposition's half. But what they do do uh, when they when they gain possession is they break very quickly then, and there is support there. So. You know uh, that's fine coming in with a with a game plan, but unless the, the players are willing to, to to you know to to implement that and 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 to I suppose bring the right attitude to it, you know when the pressure comes on that game plan won't 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 uh, stand the test of time. But yeah, look, it's it's worked for him so far. Um, whether you draw comparisons comparisons to to Clare and, and Kilkenny, I don't know. The, the water are themselves, and Derek I suppose has targeted a couple of areas to try and try and work on, and it seems to be working for him so far. Systems-wise, he came up against a pretty similar one in the shape of Galway in 2012 in the All-Ireland Final and then the replay. And of course, you, you took them apart in the replay. So do you target players when you're trying to break down that, that, that system or do you target the system? How do you actually approach beating a team like Waterford and like Clare who play this way? Which, yeah, you're right, it's based on hard work, but they are very organised and when they execute that, it's hard to beat it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny. I suppose in 2012, the first day, I think we 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 went uh, as as backs. We, we we went slightly away from our our uh, our norm in terms of uh, we would have generally tried to hold our position and play play the zone rather than the man. But in the first day, we Kenny would have gone man for man, and uh, I think that probably probably upset us a little bit because it was. It, hurling our own game and what we were comfortable with ourselves we probably focused maybe a little bit too much on Galway um, whereas the second day we had made a conscious decision that we were going to go and hurl our own game and we were going to play our own position and essentially try and enforce our 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 game on Galway and make them react and I think that worked out best and you know I think in finals and in, in big games it, it, it's a game of chess I think in the first you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes where both teams are trying to set out the stall in terms of the way they want to approach the game and it's a matter of who has the strongest will in terms of enforcing that and I think ultimately I think it's the team that has the best attitude in terms of, you know, doing the simple things, doing the dirty things well, you know, that that um, ultimately, I think, force it puts the pressure back on the other team then and it, 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 eventually one team will, will buckle and I think um, that's where your system comes into play then is that you've, once you've done, I suppose, the hard work in the first 15, 20 minutes and you've broken the opposition in terms of they have, you're forcing them maybe to come, to, 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 put, to come out and maybe you're drawing them onto you a bit more to, to give more space to your forwards or whatever that, that, that kind of that game plan is. But I think, it's, it's, it, again, it comes to repeat itself. I suppose it comes down to how willing the players are to, 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 to do the, the basic well you know, and, and not give away the mistakes. So, you know, as a defender, not giving away the silly freeze and that kind of thing to allow the opposition to settle into the match. Um, I think that's the key, really, more than anything. So, against, I suppose, from a personal perspective, yeah, against Galway, that, that was something we would have focused in on, you know, and focused in on the basics, like, you know, the, 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 the hooking and block, the blocking and putting the pressure back on the opposition. 
Now, what about Cork? They seem to have the players who can beat any opposition so long as they kind of move the ball quick and, and get it to their, their skill, yeah. skillful forwards. I mean, Patrick Horgan will punish you from freeze and Conor Lehan can shoot points from all angles. Yes, sometimes he does make the, the wrong decision, but when he gets it right, he truly gets it right. Yeah, I mean, you know, you only have to look through the scores that Cork have racked up during the course of the league this year, you know, I mean, you're, you're 127 against Dublin. You know, okay, I think 18 points was the lowest margin they scored in the league against Wexford, but, you know, they scored 421 against Tip and, you know, um, was this, uh, 27 against, uh, 217 against Galway. And, you know, right back through the whole course of the league, they're, they're scoring, they're, they're racking up big scores, you know, 34 points against Dublin. You know, that, that was a crazy game, but, you know, so there's certainly there's, there's a scoring potential there in, 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 the Cork team, without a doubt. I think the first thing is you can't afford to really give away any needless frees. I mean, Patrick Horgan is going to punish punish everything he gets. You know, he's he's, he's one of you know, the top free taker at the moment in the country. So, you know, any any silly frees, you're going to be punished. So that's the first thing you have to, to eradicate, you know. Um, and with the way Watford played, there shouldn't be any need because they'll have plenty of bodies back. Um, so it's forced them into those, uh, shooting from those, uh, the positions that they don't want to shoot from. Um Probably from Cork's perspective, yeah, maybe they do need to tighten up. I think we've commented on it a couple of times at the back because while they are racking up the scores, they, they are conceding score, you know, large scores as well. So that's something they will need to focus on. You know, they, they conceded 223 against Dublin. But I suppose, uh, I think Mark Ellis will be back. Uh, he played a challenge match there um, during the week against Kilkenny. And I, I see um, is it Cormac Murphy and the wing back who have been usually impressed with during the course of the league. He's back now. They missed, they both missed the semi final. So, you know, they'll be a big addition to, to, to Cork. You know, you, you're missing two guys in your half back line. That, that does tend to upset things. So I think the, the, two, the two guys should be back fit now, I think, for the final. So they'll be a big addition. But yeah, look, I mean, Cork, after a slow start, I suppose, having lost to Kilkenny, they've slowly built. And um, I suppose what's most pleasing for Jimmy Barry is the way they hung in there against Dublin when possibly the match looked like it was it was it was gone from you know there were twelve points down at one stage and you know they could have thrown the towel in and maybe that's something that they possibly have been accused of before but they do, they stuck in you know they dug in and, and they ground out the results and I think that more than anything it's the manner the the, the win will have pleased Jimmy Barry and the backroom team more than anything you can see the reaction from them after the final whistle went you know yeah it was pretty stunning stuff as as a group of players. And you didn't take too many heavy defeats when you were playing with Kilkenny, but there, there, there was one or two losses. Do you look at the yeah. comeback or do you look at what got you in the position whereby you needed to make a comeback in the first place? What do you take more from? Um, I suppose it's it's a bit of both, really. I mean, you're going to, as a defender, I suppose, you're going to, you're going to look at how did you get into that position in the first place? Why did you start so slowly? Uh, maybe what? Why were why were we conceding the scores? Was it was it a case? You know, it, it can be a number of different things. Was it one particular forward was was particularly dominant? Was it was it um, we were being beaten for fifty fifty balls, or was it the possession out of the fields was coming in the supply of ball? There's a number of factors. But certainly, as defenders, you would have looked at why were we conceding uh, those scores, um, or why did we start so slowly? You'd be looking at it as a team. But yeah, then on on, on the flip side, there's no point. Um, beating yourself at one end and not accepting the fact that you look you, you hung in there I mean I can remember um, you know, a couple of different instances I suppose um, one match that stands out that would be kind of similar would be the Dublin match in the park a couple of years ago um, in the league where Dublin I think got four goals against us um, if not more and uh, you know it was a crazy match and uh, you know, we again we were in a similar situation. Like it looked like Dublin were going to 
fire ahead and we pulled ourselves back into the match and uh, ended up winning by a point and it was a match that Dolan probably should have won and you know you come away from it delighted with the win um, and delighted with the, with the attitude and that was something we spoke around the dressing room afterwards was the way we hung in there and showed you know the right type of attitude which ultimately would stand to you later on the year but yeah certainly in the, in the following week then after that you're looking at okay well what, what did we do wrong? Why did we give the opposition that opportunity to get that lead? And you're trying, you know, these are the things you're trying to work on then going forward for the next match. So I'm sure Cork will have, you know, been on a high straight away after the match in terms of either in the league final and having beaten Dublin, pulling the, back, the match back from the jaws of defeat. But then during the course of the, the, the next two weeks, I, I'd say that we're focusing on, OK, well, why, do we, why are we in that position to make sure we don't give water that opportunity the next day? And do you think the fact that they meet almost a month later in the championship will have any effect on this game and particularly the preparation for it? Um, I suppose what they say before the match and what they say after the match could be two very different things. You know, I mean, if if one side loses that, whoever loses after the match will probably try and play it down, you know. Um, but I think the only way you can approach this match is is to go, show, you know, is to go full-blooded and try and win it. I mean, realistically, Cork have won a, um, a league final since uh, 98, they've lost three in the meantime. Um, uh, sorry, Cork happened. Um, and uh, Watford, I think it was the last time was 07 when they beat Kilkenny. So, you know, um, both sides, um, it would be a great shot in the arm for Watford. Um, it's a young side, but to win a league final would be fantastic for them. You know, the young side developing. I think for Cork, they probably needed a little bit more um, in terms of where they're at um, in their stage of development. You know, a lot of those players, they don't have um, any, you know, they don't have a league, a league, a league medal. Um, they lost an Ireland final. You know, I think they probably need a little bit more. I think this thing of um, playing cat and mouse because they're playing most time is irrelevant. I think you just go out and play the game on its merits and go for it. And um, I think there's no preparation, no better preparation for a championship match than having coming in as league champions. You know, um, I know it was always something like Kenny looked to try and try and do. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the best. You can't beat a winning habit. So um, yeah, I, I, you know, if I was the management team that's, that's the way I'd be approaching it is the league finals are there to be won and let's go and attack it What's your prediction? I think um, <laughs> I didn't have a great um, a great innings last <laughs> None of us did Brian you're okay Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, to, 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 to and Dublin let me down there but um, no, I think I, look, I think Cork will, will do it I, I think they need to do it I think as I said to you they're um, they need a league final more so than Watford I think as, uh, Watford are in bonus territory at the moment Um but um, and they're playing with you know complete freedom. You know you can see that with the way there's there's no baggage there with them. I think Cork need to win it. I think the bit of experience in terms of um, the other final and the previous years they're on and they're on a, you know a good run. Um, I think Cork will do it um, and they should do it. You know and I think I think they will do it. Brian Hogan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Oshin. This is the Monday Rewind on News Talk and that was ex-Kilkenny hurler Brian Hogan on next week's Alliance League final. Remember, you can contact us about that or any other subject on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. We'd love to hear from you no matter where you are on the island or throughout the world. Right, Punchestown starts in, uh, well, close enough to Nace in County Kildare on Tuesday. It seems to have just something else that other festivals in Ireland don't have. Maybe you can compare Galway, but the racing in Punchestown is that bit better. Ivan Yates joins us. Ivan, you'll know from News Talk Breakfast, but he's also a keen horse racing pundit. Ivan, just why is 
Punchestown is so special? Why is it so different to the rest? Well, first of all, it's a huge social occasion in terms of people get dressed up. There is no equivalent in terms of the number of corporate tents, pavilions and so on in terms of entertainment. So it is a day where more than 110,000 people will come over the five-day period. It has more than a dozen grade one races. So what you have is Cheltenham, Entry, Fairy House, and this is the last festival. Last Saturday saw the end of the season in the UK and Sandown, so this is the very last. A lot of English horses come over. What's unique about it is, first of all, it has these banks fences for hunter chasers and cross countries, which is unique. They actually jump these huge mounds and stone walls in the inner part of the track. The plains in Kildare there are absolutely beautiful, and they're at their best at this time of year. So when when you put it all together, you have the best racing, you have the best horses from Ireland and England, and you have the established stars from the previous festivals, and it wraps up the end of the season for champion jockey, trainer, owner, and it's just wonderful crack. Should we have someone on standby waiting, just in case that you get a bit carried away at Punchestown this week? Well, uh, there's no doubt. I hope to do uh, four of the five days. Uh, My liver is in peak condition because I've gone into training uh, intensively over recent weeks, having been to Aintree and Fairy House for six days out of seven. But it is something, if you've never been to Punchestown, do go. It's a wonderful laugh crack and you might make a few bob and just before I let you go Tony McCoy his last race was this weekend I have to say I was listening to it because I was watching the Connacht game unfortunately they lost Uh, and I was just hoping and praying whatever about him winning it that he got through it safely and he did what a career what a man and even though I've never met the guy I'm sure you have he, he's a kind of very personable star like we all feel like we kind of know him yeah well there'll never be his likes again he's a jump jockey legend he's ridden over 4,000 winners no jockey has been 20 consecutive seasons as champion jockey in Britain uh, he, the sad part about it is that he's he's leaving at the top in other words there's no reason why he couldn't go on for a few more years uh, over 18,000 people in Sandown it was a very emotional day and he will be in Punchestown as a guest and as a personality which is his future rather than as a jockey Ivan Yates thank you very much well that's it for the Monday Rewind 4th this week don't forget to join us next week we'll have reaction to the Alliance Hurling League final between Waterford and Tipperary we'll also talk about the Camogie Decider which is on before that game in Thurles as uh, Galway meet Cork as well as all that there's the Premier League will Chelsea have it all wrapped up by then most likely they will either way we'll talk about it talk to you during the week take care bye bye The Monday Rewind I can't put my finger on exactly what went around for us. Um, you know, we thought coming to the game, we were in a good place. Certainly, um, you know, we're very confident coming over from the hotel this morning, and uh, you know, just just very disappointed with how it went. Cowards pull back to McCarthy. McCarthy into the penalty area. James McCarthy. Oh, he was. Pushing. He should be getting more balls. He is capable. He's very composed on the ball. He has the energy to get into the final tour of the pitch at will. And I do think that everything he does have the license to bomb on. I think boring is, is 10 years without a title. That's very boring. Uh, you know, you support the club uh, and you are waiting, waiting, waiting. And, and for so many years without the Premier League title, I think that's, that's very boring. Have you been assured your position is safe? I haven't had that conversation yet, but uh, we'll see. Would you like to have that conversation fairly soon? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be here next year, so we'll see.